What's up, everyone? It's the love, the jam, the podcast. I'm Chapan. Uh, with you, as always, with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm alive and not sick. It's true. Lucas is also here. What's up, Lucas? I'm also alive and not sick. Things are going great. I'm also well. Well, relatively. Like, I, think, I think I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about basketball for the first, you know, probably half hour or so of this show. Then we're probably going to be a little bit more free range. You know, I have a lot of thoughts about COVID. Um, I'll probably talk a little bit about my experience with it in the hospital. You know, I am a resident physician and have been dealing with a lot of it in the, on the front lines in the hospital here in Wait, Chap, are you a doctor? I am a doctor. I don't, has anyone, Rob, did you know, I don't think anyone's ever mentioned that you were a doctor before. I am I don't a doctor. Think so. It's true, I'm a doctor. <laughs> I am of relevance in these times. Uh, we also uh, will probably just, you know, let's just talk about some basketball. The Clippers are not playing basketball right now, but they are a team that we are invested in. And there are things to talk about with them. Um, I don't really think we're going to talk much about games, but the Clippers and just how they're going to be affected by this whole unprecedented shutdown of the season, right? Right, Like two-thirds or even more than two-thirds through the season is going to be kind of interesting. Um, the Clippers just beat the Warriors in the last game on the 10th of March before everything kind of spiraled out of control. You know, they had a pretty good record. They were kind of gaining some pace. They were 44-20. and 20. So that's 64 games in with about 18 left. Um, they were not really going to catch the Lakers, but they were pretty, you know, stuck in that second spot, a game and a half ahead of the Nuggets. And now we don't have games. Um, there's a lot to talk about as far as what this means for the Clippers, what this means for the team, what this means if the season is canceled. And that's kind of what we wanted to talk about. But Rob, we can start with you. Um, so, the Clippers were looking good. You know, yeah. they, did lo- they did lose a game to the Lakers, a game I think we can all kind of agree they didn't play particularly well in. And the, the, Lakers, the Lakers, you know, gained some distance near the end of it and then put that game away. Good for the Lakers. But aside from that game, it looked like the Clippers were picking up some steam, mm-hmm. playing pretty well. What did you feel about the – what was your pulse on the Clippers right before all this happened? I mean, my thoughts on the Clippers have not changed much throughout the course of the season – Um, And they haven't changed that much. We'll get into this a little bit, I think, Um, you know, almost three weeks after the season has essentially ended. um, I always thought they were, you know, pretty much a lock for the conference finals, barring uh, anything surprising or a really bad matchup. I think, you know, the Rockets might've been a team that could take them out. Um, But I I don't think they're the best team in the NBA. Um, I'm still not entirely sure about them beating the Lakers in a playoff matchup. And I don't know if they beat whoever would come out of the Eastern Conference. I mean, I think they're one of the three to four best teams in the NBA. Um, I think if things broke right, they could have absolutely won a championship. Um, And if the season resumes, I'd still put decent money on them to win the championship. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't think I've really been swayed that much or the other. They're really, really good. They are not like an unbeatable, unstoppable force like the Warriors were a couple years ago. And, you know, they're also the best Clippers team we've ever seen. I mean, I think they're definitely better than the Lob City teams and and any other Clippers teams. Um, But, yeah, I I don't think my opinion has really changed on them that much at all. Like, hot streak, cold streak, whatever. Like, they're really, really good. Lucas, what did you think of the Clippers at this time? Well, I think – I mean, I think that they were – playing their best basketball of the season heading into this suspension. 
which is a little unfortunate, right? That, that, you know, they finally, there's a, cause there's a lot of time like in January, you know, when we were like, all right, guys, come on, like, let's go. Right. Um, and I think that they kind of finally were clicking a little bit better in the last couple of weeks, even with that one Lakers loss that like, you know, Rob said. Um, but I also think that, you know, you can lose a game to the Lakers and that's okay. Cause the Lakers are really good. Right. So, He's like, you're not, you don't expect to beat the Lakers 4-0 in a season series. And the fact that the Clippers won the first two games is already pretty good. So, yeah, I think I, I mostly agree with Rob. I'm probably a little more optimistic uh, than he is. You know, he's Eeyore over there. But um, I, I think that it will be really interesting to see how these things in terms of the scheduling – affect this core because we've kind of talked about right this two-year window with PG and Kawhi and I don't think I think the Clippers like you know kind of the one thing I I agree fully with Robert on is that there was nothing in those 64 games that really changed how I felt in terms of the Clippers were going to be right there at the end and they didn't do anything to be like oh my god they're gonna they're the best team in the history of basketball right because they weren't really going full throttle for the majority of this season but also thinking like they legitimately could win a championship. And I, that's how I felt on the day the season was suspended. Like the Clippers in my mind were the fav, you know, were the team that I thought were most likely to win the NBA championship this year. And if this season, it comes back in some sort of truncated form, if this season doesn't come back at all, the implications I think across the league are going to be felt widely but um, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, particularly with the Clippers, because I know it's going to affect every team, especially the contending teams in really, in really big ways. But I do feel like the Clippers on this sort of short timeline, this potentially has the largest ramifications for them, maybe because the Lakers, right? LeBron's a little older, but LeBron and AD, they, they have a little more time to work with. This PG and Kawhi thing feels like it could be, you know, then you're potentially looking at one season to win a championship before those guys can both leave. Yeah. Did you feel like these moves were validated at all coming into the, the suspension of play, or is it still kind of a work in progress, Lucas? I thought the, the moves were validated. I mean, I don't think either of them were talking about, right, the, um, the Marcus Morris trade and the Reggie Jackson signing. I don't think either of them were home runs. I do think that Morris – is an upgrade over Harkless in terms of your playoff rotation. In a vacuum, a first-round pick is probably a steep price, um, and Harkless, who's a younger player and is still good in his own right. But I think, again, in the context of that timeline that I'm talking about, getting that upgrade for your playoff rotation makes sense to me. and It was something that you know, I feel like the Clippers had to go out and do, and they did. The Reggie Jackson one is sort of just like kind of a bonus buyout pickup, and he's, of course – was wonderful in the very, I, I think, nine games he got to play for the Clippers, right? Nine games averaging like nine points, three rebounds, and three assists in 19 minutes off the bench, shooting 45% from deep. I mean, he was, he was amazing in those nine games for the Clippers. I don't know that I fully buy that that would have been sustained through like an entire playoff run, but I think he would have probably stayed in the rotation. And now the you know the Jackson thing kind of really had no downside because it was just a buyout pickup, right? But the Morris one is interesting to me, especially if this 
season does get canceled, right? And I, I, you know, maybe we'll talk about what we think about that. But if they say that's it, the 2019-2020 NBA season is a wrap. It's over. There's no champion. We're going to start the new season fresh um, in October and just take it from there. Then the Clippers basically traded a first-round pick to get 12 games of Marcus Morris, including no playoffs, which you would never do. If you, were, if you knew that you weren't going to go to the playoffs and had no chance of winning a championship, you would not trade a first-round pick for an expiring veteran like Morris at the deadline. The Clippers only did that so that they could get, you know, 30 games and a playoff run. So if they potentially lose that and, and lose their first-round pick, that I feel like there would have to be some mechanism from the league to sort of compensate, like, like give, you know, a draft pick or something to teams in a situation like the one that the Clippers are in where they traded a draft pick to bolster themselves for this playoff run and then lost out on the opportunity to fight for a championship. Yeah, Rob, I think, I think you already kind of already answered this question, but did you feel any differently about the roster going into the, into the suspension? It sounds like your opinion on the Clippers haven't, hasn't changed much, but Morris and Jackson, have they convinced you anything of their worth for a possible Clipper run? You know, it's interesting. I think Jackson did, not necessarily through Jackson himself, but I think, you know, as we discussed kind of ad nauseum um, over the course of the season, the biggest upgrades for the Clippers were, you know, potentially getting another big man um, behind Subots and Montrezl Harrell, which theoretically, which we haven't mentioned, Joakim Noah was signed <laughs> to be on the Clippers, and we never got to see him play. Um, rip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, and, and a point guard. And Reggie Jackson, I think, I think what he was doing was a little bit unsustainable, as Lucas said. Like, I don't think he'd continue shooting at that level or playing at that level in a playoff series with heightened competition and defense, but just how the team looked with him on the court compared to how they looked with Jerome Robinson and Rodney Magruder and Derek Walton really just made me think that that was correct. They didn't need another point guard. They needed a competent NBA second string point guard. And what I saw from Marcus Morris has not changed either. I don't think he's that much of an upgrade over Maurice Harkless. And I don't think he was a needed upgrade over Maurice Harkless. They didn't need an upgrade to their starting lineup. Their starting lineup with Maurice Harkless was excellent. Um, they needed some other ball handler and playmaker and shot creator off the bench, and Reggie Jackson brought that. And I think a lot of their increased success was due to Jackson. Morris himself did not play particularly well. I think, you know, his improved, you know, he is a better shooter than Mo Harkless, and I've never disputed that. And I think the shooting did help with spacing the court a little bit. Um, but he, his overall play was very unimpressive. I'm not really holding that against him. It was 12 games and it was a, you know, a huge switch from his prior role. So it definitely would have taken some acclimation. Um, so I, I, I'm, again, I'm not really holding that against him, but I really saw nothing from him to make me think that training for him would do much of anything to help the Clippers. Uh, whereas the Reggie Jackson move, the team looked much better having a guy like that on the court. So I was a little skeptical about Jackson. I've never been a particular fan of his. I've always thought he's been overrated going back to his days in OKC. Um, and, you know, again, I don't think his play would have been sustained, but I do think that move proved a, a backup point guard was really needed. Um, so I, I'd say I'd go one for two. I think Jackson really did prove me wrong, and I remain pretty unconvinced that the Marcus and Morris trade was necessary at all. 
Yeah, honestly, I think I was fairly similar with Morris, but I do want—I did want to give him the benefit of the doubt and see how he would be, how he would do going forward. And I wasn't particularly impressed with him just yet, but you know, you could see a lot of what he brings to the floor. Um, you saw a lot of what he was bad with the Clippers, as far as his mid-range shots and his kind of four shots at times. But I did think that he needed a little bit of a grace period whereas Reggie Jackson right away looked like he gave a lot of the Clippers what they needed from a backup point guard granted if he would have been able to maintain his torrid stretch I doubt it but it was nice to have a competent you know playmaker who could run pick and roll offense and do some of the things he could do so it was nice to see Reggie Jackson I'm still kind of on the fence with Marcus Morris I also don't really I've never really been a huge fan of his in general so that's probably part of it but um, I do have some patience as far as what he could do. Those, whether or not we're going to see any of that come to fruition, we'll see. But um, the Clippers, yeah. yeah, Rob, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think, like Luca said, I mean, the Clippers never could have guessed that this would happen. Right. And they got Marcus Morris specifically for the playoffs in the postseason because they thought his shooting and the spacing he would bring and his the additional shot creation would be more valuable than Mo Harkless's far superior defense. Um and, you know, I, we might not ever get a chance to see that play out. I remain skeptical. But, you know, I, again, it's, you know, a few weeks removed, and I can't believe it's been less than three weeks because it feels like three months um, from the Clippers playing basketball. It's, you know, it's tough to really say if that was a good move or a bad move or not because we haven't seen really the purpose of the trade yet, which is the postseason. Um, they didn't get him for the regular season. They didn't get him for the last 30 games to get a slightly better record. Um, and yeah, I mean, I remain skeptical, but as you said, I'm also have some personal bias. I also really dislike his style of basketball and watching him play. Um, and honestly, the same goes true for Reggie Jackson a fair amount. I'm still not really a huge fan of watching him, um, but I think the effectiveness was certainly there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the book is out. Um, on on what would have been. I do think if this is it, that was a very steep price to pay. You know, a first-round pick, I think at least one second-round pick, maybe two, as well as, you know, whatever you think Jerome Robinson might eventually become um, for 12 games of Marcus Morris. So right now, that's not not great. Um, But if playoffs are resumed, um, I will get to really see how that trade might have worked in the end. And I think also, like, so the Morris thing, right, um, kind of reminds me, and maybe this is a bad comparison, but it, when the Clippers traded that first round pick for Jeff Green a few years ago, and <laughs> and obviously, obviously that you know Jeff Green is Jeff Green, and you know we can we can do the Jeff Green thing all day if we want, but the real the, the reality of the situation was the Clippers just did not have rotate like rotation caliber NBA players. Jeff Green was a roster upgrade for that team, whatever that says about what the depth of that team was, although he was probably better as like the backup to Blake Griffin in a small ball setting than he was as actually the normal starting small forward. But, but whatever, all of that aside, they traded a first-round pick for Jeff Green that year because they felt like they needed another reliable player in their playoff rotation. And then... Blake Griffin and Chris Paul both got hurt in the first round of the playoffs and everyone wanted to harp on the Jeff Green trade. And I think the bigger thing was that, and and I'm not, this is not to defend the Jeff Green trade, but just to say that 
the point of the Jeff Green trade was to add a quality rotation guy to support Chris and Blake in this playoff run. Because of injuries, there ended up being no playoff run around Chris and Blake. So at that point, the Jeff Green trade was certainly useless. But that's kind of unforeseeable, right? So it's the same thing here, I think, for the Clippers, where if there ends up being no 2020 NBA playoffs, then what they gave up for Marcus Morris is a phenomenally poor deal in retrospect. But also, you can't go into the trade deadline thinking, well, maybe we shouldn't trade for this upgrade because what if Chris and Blake both get hurt, right? Maybe we shouldn't trade for this update because what if the worst global pandemic in a century causes the NBA to shut down, right? So it's like, um, yeah, I can totally see, especially if this season gets canceled and Morris walks or something, it's like a total waste for the Clippers. But it's hard to, I think, hold that against them. I still think the trade was a costly one, but they paid a little bit above market price to go get a piece that I think made a lot of sense for what they were trying to do this year. And we might as well talk about the Clippers at large. What do you guys make of this season? You know, I am kind of assuming just with just my basic mentality and what I know about COVID that this season might not be coming back. Um, How will you guys remember this Clipper season? Rob, like this Clipper season is 64 games, a lot of fun memories, you know, a lot of some disappointing losses, but Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard, you know, Paul George looked incredible for a few games to start the season. How will you remember just this, this uh, weird truncated season if this is indeed the end of the season? It's odd, you know. Um, it's going to be really tough because this team was built together to win a championship, right? And if the season is canceled, the fundamental purpose of this team will not have been served. Um, so it's tough to really – it would be tough to think about this team that positively. I mean, they were really good. They were probably the best team the Clippers have ever had, but they weren't able to do very much, you know, as of yet. Um, if the season's canceled, I mean, it was a failure. And as Lucas said at the beginning, they are one of, you know, the two or three teams that is most impacted by this. You could argue the Bucks with Giannis because they were the best team in the NBA this year. They have their own superstar player, the best player in the NBA – who's young in his prime and could leave next summer um, and getting an uh, missing on a chance to take him to the finals and win a championship with him um, is huge for them. I think you could also theoretically argue the Lakers because of LeBron's age. Um, what he was able to do this season was extraordinary. I don't think he has a case for the MVP whatsoever. I argued with Lewis a little bit about this on our last episode of same old Clippers. I think the Giannis numbers are overwhelming, but still, I mean, the fact that he's, will finish top two at his age with his amount of miles is extraordinary. Um, He's the best basketball player of all time. And having a throwback peak season from him is just, I can't imagine it happening again. I mean, he has defied odds at all points of his career. Maybe he does pull one out of the bag, Um, but it's really tough to see that happening again. That matters a lot, but the Clippers are right up there because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George could be free agents next summer and they could leave. And um, this could all be for naught, and that's much, much bigger than even the Marcus Morris signing, which would be a mini disaster alone if, if that comes to fruition. Uh, it does not come to fruition. Um, so it's going to be tough to remember this team positively, to be honest, if the season is canceled. Um, and it's made more from the fact that really a lot of the players on this team did not have great seasons. I think they were really good um, because they just did have a lot of good players. But when you run down the roster, like, 
Lou Williams was was mostly pretty good, but it's definitely we've seen some decline. He had some classic Lou Williams performances. Um, Pat Beverly, I thought, was pretty good. Again, picked up steam as the season went along offensively, but also had some injuries and was ineffective for a lot of the early part of the season. Montrez Harrell's defense was really, really bad. Um, and again, his numbers improved, but maybe a little less effective. Um, Landry Shamit did not have a breakout second season. I mean, just run down the roster. I mean, really, the two guys who I'd probably remember the season for is Avica Zubats and his breakout into being like a true starting level center. And then Kawhi Leonard's brilliance is probably the best or second best player the Clippers have ever had, depending on how you feel about Pete Chris Paul. Um, so I think that's who I'd remembered. I'd remember Kawhi's dominance, his incredible two-way play, and Zubots and the and the Zoo Trez arguments that dominated Clippers Twitter and, and Clippers forums for most of the season. But outside of that, I mean, I don't think it was really that much of a season to remember um, for a lot of the players. And even, you know, as you said, there was a lot of disappointing games as well. And really, honestly, kind of the disappointments might have outweighed some of the triumphs, even with as good as the Clippers were as a team and with a record. So honestly, if the season is canceled, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a negative view of it, you know, outside of their control or not. And it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty depressing. <laughs> I mean, the Clippers themselves look pretty good. I don't think they looked, not everybody like you mentioned was completely sharp. I think Kawhi, just watching Kawhi in a Clipper jersey was just a, a sight to behold in its own. I mean, that was really great. It was like, didn't feel real until we watched him play. And then he started the season so well, had a small dip, and then he's really just been the guy, kind of guy we always thought he would be, uh, if not even a little bit more, because defensively he was really sharpening his his toolbox. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, aside of Kawhi, I mean, Zubat, Zubat was really, has really been a positive, but I don't know. There's part of me that, that kind of felt like Zubat was coming. He's, he's still not a 30 minute per game kind of guy, but he's definitely a starting center caliber kind of player. And everybody else was just kind of there. Paul George, you know, had a good start, but then he kind of fizzled. He's really never really caught up to what he was and, He's been getting healthy, which is fine. Hopefully this break will be good for him if the playoffs do come. Uh, and like you mentioned, just everybody else, nobody was particularly a standout. And really, it didn't matter. All that mattered really was the playoffs and getting a little a little state of normalcy and uh, and regular play from all of our guys. And now it's just like we just have this lull and we don't really know what's going to happen. So the season – I think while the season was a joy in a lot of little pockets, I mean, there were some nice comebacks near the end, especially when Paul George and Kawhi first started playing together. That was a fun stretch, and the recent stretch was also been fun. Um, but it just leaves a lot to be desired. It's it's just such a it's just an unprecedented time, and I do think the Clippers probably more than any team in the league, if the season is canceled, will be affected the most because this was the window. This right here was the window, and uh, to take off one postseason off of it is brutal. I guess the Bucks would be affected too because of the, the idea that Giannis is going to be expiring maybe next year. Um, but this is a brutal postseason to be taken away from the Clippers, like just completely brutal. So um, I would think I would argue that to say that they are the most affected by a possible postseason cancellation versus any other team in the league. Um, Lucas, what will you remember from this season? It was a weird season because it kind of, I, I mean, it definitely, like Robert said, definitely 
the best team in Clippers history, right? I don't think there's much question about that. But it also did feel all season like they were kind of playing at like 80%. Frankly, sometimes it felt like they were playing at a little bit less than 80%. And they were trying, you know, to do what they needed to do to get to where they wanted to be healthy to play in the big games. And so, you know, there's a lot of back and forth about when people say, uh, this team is less fun, right? And then, then you hear the response from other fans are like, did, were you having more fun when we were losing more games? Like, is, how is, you know, finishing 500 more fun than winning 60 games, right? But I think the answer is there's a level of, first of all, energy of play, that the Clippers didn't necessarily have this season because they were consciously and like very openly trying to conserve themselves. And then I think there's also a level of like narrative enjoyment from a fan perspective where when the team is less good, a lot of smaller things matter more, right? So like if you aren't expecting the Clippers to make the playoffs, like last year when we, we didn't think the Clippers would make the playoffs and they did barely as the eight seed. And then they stole a couple games against the one seed warriors. That was like a very narrative enriching experience for Clippers fans. Whereas now them finishing as the two seed this year is like, yeah, we finished as the two seed, right? Um, or the Clippers winning an overtime game this season was not as big as it felt last year because the regular season games feel like they matter less this year. Uh, you know, a young player having a breakout season, those narratives all kind of lose their luster a little bit when that whole emphasis of the season is Kawhi Leonard, possibly the best basketball player in the world, is going to try to lead us to our first ever championship. That is it. That's the only thing that people are paying attention to. And so the, the ability to enjoy the day-to-day I think goes away a little bit and I think it goes away for the players as well, which is kind of why a lot of these games felt a little lackluster and we can have a, a broader philosophical argument about like, you know, the, the emphasis in on rings in sports discourse. And like, if that's a good thing for the game to have a team like the Clippers be coasting all year, uh, you know, LeBron's been doing this for like a decade, right? Not playing serious in the regular season. And so, you know, we can have that larger philosophical argument at any time, but I think it especially hits hard right now when we're looking at potentially having slogged through 64 lethargic games to get to a postseason that now we might not actually get to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about this season now after all that. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to kind of talk about before we maybe transition to what we think the NBA is going to lead to in this whole COVID pandemic and just what's coming next? Anything else you want to talk about as far as this Clipper team goes? I mean, I think, I think it, it should be, you know, we should try to remember the good things about this team. Like, um, you know, I think it's kind of been lost. Um, how good the Lob City teams were over the years, just because of how joyless those last couple of years were, and how um, how disappointing the whole tenure was. Uh, those teams were great, and a lot of them were really, really fun too. And um, you know, I think this team 
wasn't particularly fun to watch on any given night, which was a huge disappointment in and of itself. I mean, I think we thought even coming into the year, they might not try that hard on any given night, but I still think we thought the team would just be entertaining. It would be kind of like this lockdown perimeter defense while also having an explosive offense and, it just never really came together. They were kind of winning off of sheer talent more than any particular chemistry or high-level execution. Um, and I think it, it sh- we should try to remember the good things, you know, like Kawhi's dominance, the times Paul George is really hot, um, some, you know, classic Lou Montrez games, even though their defense, as Lucas said, were kind of nitpicked a lot more this year because the goals were much bigger. Um, just what they're still able to do off the bench as an offensive duo. It remains pretty incredible. Um, and their numbers this year are really just as good, if not better, than last year um, from a pure just stats, points per game type of thing. Um, you know, there's other stuff that was that could have been enjoyable, um, and I hope that stuff is remembered, even if the overall takeaway is still, this sucks, we didn't get a chance to see this team in the playoffs, they weren't as fun to watch as they might've been still how good they were and just how good a lot of these players were because this team was really, really good. Um, So I I really hope we try to remember them as fondly as possible because on the whole, you know, my dislike of Marcus Morris side, it was also a really likable team for the most part. Um, You know, those guys on the team are are pretty fun. They're pretty, you know, there are not really many bad apples. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I hope that they're remembered. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's really, that's it. I mean, I think it's, it would be very disappointing if they didn't win, um, if they didn't even get a chance to compete, but on the other hand, it's like, it's the most Clippers thing in the world. So you just gotta (laughs) hope for next year, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think like to the point that I was making about narratives, right. It's like Lou and Trez off the bench are such a fun duo. Like, it is so much fun to watch Lou and Trez off the bench. And I feel like last season, when we weren't expecting the Clippers to be good, kind of riding that, like, Lou and Trez train was really, really fun for a lot of the Clippers fan base. And this season, when we knew the Clippers were going to be good, and you're able to start saying, well, when the playoffs come, how many minutes are we really going to get where the offense isn't going to be running through PG and Kawhi? And look at how Trez's defensive deficiencies are exposing the team. We already know about Lou's defensive deficiencies, but at least it's easier to hide him, right? And so then it just becomes, in my mind, I'm not, you know, I'm not ready to say like Lou and Trez were worse this season than they were last season, but I definitely wasn't able to enjoy that pairing as much this season as I was last season. And the trade-off for that is potentially having those big, meaningful playoff games and series and potentially a championship that's supposedly like the pinnacle of you know powerful sports narratives and victories and so to even be denied the possibility of that after having kind of traded off all these other things uh, is a real bummer yeah yeah i think that's fair i think we can kind of transition a little bit to what we think the season's gonna be this isn't quite entirely you know covid area but for anybody thinking about just listening to Clipper stuff, you know, this is when we talk a little bit about how this pandemic's affected the season, what we expect for this season, what we think is going to happen. Um, I can probably start. I mean, just by being kind of in the midst of all this, I think it's pretty clear that there isn't really quite 
a end of the tunnel quite in sight. I mean, there's been predictions as far as as far as when we're going to peak, you know, when everything's going to get worse. And, you know, there's the idea of mid-May possibly for the general idea in the country sooner for some parts of the country. Um, and there's an idea, I think Windhorst was on ESPN recently talking about how it's fairly expected that if the season does resume, that'll be without fans. And LeBron James has talked about how he's, that's not really particularly exciting to him to play without fans. Uh, as much as the Clippers would probably enjoy a seven-game series against the Clip- against the Lakers without fans, because it would probably be a little bit to their advantage based on the on what would otherwise be the case. Just like, I don't know if it's even fair to talk about what we expect. It's hard for me to even think too much about when I expect basketball to come back. I I feel like I just don't I don't see an end of this in sight because even though other countries, you know, like China, is talking about restarting the CBA, I don't think we can just assume that we're on a similar trajectory as any country, honestly, because we haven't seen the peak. We haven't quite seen a fall in cases. So we're kind of exponentially still going up. I haven't seen all the stats from today, but it doesn't feel like we're at a point right now where we could talk about when we see things kind of dying down. Do you, do you guys, personally, I, I don't even see it in sight. I think we would be lucky to get to the July, August, thinking that maybe we could bring games back. But even that is hard for me to completely look forward to uh, realistically just being in the thick of things. Um, Lucas, do you, do you have any projections of your own? I mean, you're in New York State. Uh, granted, it's not New York City, but it's, it's still getting hit. Like, what do you – do you have any idea of when you think the league might come back? Or do you have any, any, any pulse on that? What do you think, Lucas? Well, I think – I think first and foremost, the NBA, like, and this is maybe, this is like, you know, a a cynical way to look at it, but playoff television revenue, the NBA is not going to forfeit a full playoffs of television revenue without, unless it is the absolute, no way around it. It's the old, right. So whatever they have to do, I think the NBA will go to great lengths to eventually play the 2020 NBA playoffs. So I think maybe what I was saying a little bit before about losing that opportunity, you know, is a little melodramatic. Um, although I, I'm I'm just speculating here, so I could be wrong, but it just seems to me that even if it comes down to like, you know, potentially postponing and shortening next season, if the NBA needs to play the 2020 playoffs in August and September and lose two weeks of the 2021 regular season, I think they would rather do that and get that playoff television revenue, especially, and again, this is cynical, but especially if they're able to get to a place where they can play games while people are still, you know, doing practicing social distancing because so many people are going to be watching those games, right? Like there's just not a lot of fresh entertainment right now because most TV shows and movies have had to shut down production because of social distancing. And so I think what's most likely is at some point over the summer, maybe it's late summer, maybe it's in August, right? But I think that the NBA will probably get together the players and 
a small group of essential staff for each team and put them all in the same place and play games in front of empty arenas and televise them and play out the playoffs that way. Now there's some logistical concerns there in terms of, are you, you know, are you going to try to go someplace where you have, um, you know, multiple stadiums so you can play multiple games at the same time. Players are going to need like a training camp, right? So how, where are you going to have teams practicing? Cause it's easy to say, Oh, we'll just go to one stadium and we'll just play a double, you know, play a double header every night, but teams need to practice on their off days. Where are they going to practice? Right. But I do think that they will find a way to play these 2020 playoff games I just can't see them passing up that revenue. But I also think I, I don't see any way that they play those games in front of live fan audiences. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with Lucas for the most part. I think what I think they should do and what I think they will do are different. I think they should end the season. Um, probably, um, they can let it ride out a little bit more. But I do think... You know, ultimately, this is for fans, and I think playing games in empty arenas with all teams in the same location or two it just takes away a lot of what makes the playoffs fun and exciting. Um, and I think even with a lot of screening and testing and quarantining the players, like, I just don't know about, you know, what the health risks might be if even one of them catches it and then plays in a game before they have symptoms, they can all still get it again. Like, there could be a mini outbreak among players, and I, I just think the risks are, are too great. Um, that said, I do not work for the league. I do not have access to their revenue. Um, I'm not a personal investor with money riding on the NBA. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think all indications are they will do whatever it takes to make sure that there are playoff games and that they get the playoff TV revenue. Um, I do think there's just about a 0% chance those games are played in front of uh, people barring a remarkable turnaround that frankly seems um, impossible given what the government and the U.S. populace in general are doing right now. Um, But I think they will do whatever it takes. And I think, like Luca said, I mean, I think they're willing to push it back as far as possible and just cut off a lot of next season if need be because the playoffs are just such a cash cow for them. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think playoffs in August and September um, with no fans is is probably the likely outcome. It's not the outcome I would do, um, but I think that is what will end up happening. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's going to be very weird. I don't even know how exciting it will be. Um, these guys are all going to be horrendously out of shape um, and will have zero chemistry, and I just – it's just going to be a mess, I think, if they try to do it. I think they will. And I think no matter what happens, I think there's going to be an asterisk next to the league and, and the champion and whatever this year just because this is all so outside the realm of the ordinary. Gosh, yeah. Honestly, I don't even, I didn't even think too much about the, uh, the cash cow aspect of the playoffs. I mean, that's completely true. And you would imagine that no matter what, it's more likely to happen than not to happen. I agree with you though, Rob, I would not do it. <laughs> uh, I have like such a little interest right now in anything aside from just slowing this thing down. Um, and 
I would be terrified of the idea of just having any sort of, even if it's just the players and the media, there's just enough people in a small enclosed space that you just, it's just hard to completely predict, but it's still something that could happen. Who knows what happens in the next few months? I mean, by the next few months, I mean the next like half a year, essentially, um, as far as the trends for how this thing goes. Um, you know, I, I think we could talk a little bit about our experiences, you know, just being NBA fans and Clipper fans around the country. N- none of us are in our, are stationed in LA right now. Um, Lucas, how have you been dealing with all of this in New York state? Yeah. I mean, it's been interesting. So I think folks know, um, that I, I live in Syracuse, New York, right. And I teach at the university here and, uh, we've gone fully online. Um, so everything that I'm doing is, is online now. I'm just kind of staying in my apartment, going out for groceries every two weeks and that's about it. But, uh, I think to, you know, maybe to link to, to what we were just saying about when the NBA could potentially resume a lot of schools, um, you know, in Syracuse included kind of did like a phased closing. So first they were like, all right, we're going to take an extra week after spring break and see what's going on. And then they were like, okay, we're not going to come back at all. Right. We're, we're online for the rest of the semester. And I think, you know, during this first phase when they were saying, we're just going to take an extra week after spring break and assess the situation. One of my colleagues asked me, you know, do you think that we'll come back this semester or not? Um, And I said, no, I don't think we'll come back for this semester. I think the question that we need to be asking is, are we going to open in August for the fall semester? Or are we not going to be ready for that by that point? Right? Because you think about it, schools are the worst places for you, right? Hospitals, of course, but like schools where you've got, you know, 20 kids sitting in a classroom together or worse, like in our lecture, 150 kids sitting in a lecture hall together, it, the exponential spread there can be very quick. Um, and, you know, especially as you get to the younger age schools, the, you know, people aren't always practicing the best sanitation in terms of like washing their hands well and, and that sort of using tissues and that sort of thing with little kids. So schools are, are really hotbeds. Um, and it's going to be really, really interesting how like my, you know, quote unquote industry in terms of higher education handles this, you know, need for, for prolonged social distancing. But I'm, I'm at a point right now and, you know, this is, again, I'm not at a level where I make these decisions, but I am mentally preparing myself to be teaching online in the fall semester as well. And that's pretty you know, pretty huge. But I do think it's feasible just to imagine that an organization with the resources that the NBA has could get together like 15 players and 15 staff for each of the 16 playoff teams and keep them in a bubble for a month, basically, and have everyone tested every day and just kind of power through it in that way. But I don't know, man. It's, I mean, things are like, like I, I had to go out to get groceries yesterday and the world is just like, the world feels different. And I don't know if this is everywhere yet or if it's specifically because things have been so bad in New York in the last week, especially. But um, I mean, it's certainly hard to imagine. I know you said it's hard to think about 
doing anything but flattening the curve right now in terms of thinking about if the NBA season could resume, but it's hard for me to picture how things go back to normal. Like I think there will be a new normal after this and that's going to be, you know, figure navigating how we return to daily lives, but still adjust from things that we did before is going to be, you know, really, really interesting. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, Michigan has actually had a pretty bad outbreak as well, not nearly as bad as New York City. Um, but my part of Michigan, Southeast Michigan, is is one of the hot spots. Um, I've been working from home for this will be my third week. Um, the last two weeks at work, we were taking a lot of precautionary, like sanitary measures, and everybody was issued hand sanitizer, and we were spraying down our our individual offices just about every day. Um, but it's been it's been very weird, you know. Um, I'm not a huge working from home fan. Um, I like to be able to differentiate between my office and my work, um, my office and my home. Um, you know, like I don't like waking up and I'm in my office. I really don't like that. Um, you know, it would be one thing if I was doing sports writing maybe, and I was working hours where, uh, you know, I'm up from, you know, I'm up until 1 a.m. watching the NBA and writing about it. And then I can sleep in until 11. And then, you know, a lot of the day might just be preparing or researching or whatever. Um, it's much different working an eight to five, just check in, check out. You have to be available all the time. Um, and taking client calls and stuff um, just from home is, is very weird. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, regarding how things are in general, like I've gone to CVS a couple times for um, to get some medications and stuff. Um, I've been to my grocery store once in the past two weeks. And yeah, like I think a lot of the panic has kind of died down. Like most stuff is not sold out anymore. Um, like there's rice, there are eggs, um, there's chicken, uh, there's pasta, all that kind of stuff is available. Um, my roommate actually said there was toilet paper today when he went out and it wasn't even that low. Um, and the amount of people is not super crazy. Um, so I think some of that stuff is, is coming around. But regarding just how people are operating, yeah, I mean, when I just walk, there one, there's a ton of people just out and walking now because there's nothing else to do. And people are, like, going out of their way to not be near each other and stepping, like, 10 feet away from each other. Like, I go into the street so I don't have to get near anybody. Um, like, things are just very different. And like Luca said, I just – I can't see – things getting back to normal anytime soon. And honestly, like, you know, I do miss the NBA. I do miss having something to watch and having something to write about. But at this point, I have, like, far bigger things on my mind than the NBA coming back. And honestly, I think if the NBA were back, I'd find it kind of hard to care too much. Like, I would watch it because it's entertaining. Um, But I don't know how passionate I'd get about the NBA while there's still, you know, hundreds of thousands of people dying and, and deathly ill on a daily basis and you know even months from now um even with like this bubble type of thing there will presumably still be people sick and in the hospital and there are always people like that but it just it wouldn't feel right to me and i think that's probably partially why i lean towards just ending the season um so i mean i'm personally doing okay like i'm not having a great time of course but um you know my own life hasn't shifted too too much um but yeah i mean things are just very weird and and they're only going to get weirder because we're nowhere near the peak of this yet. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, people know that. I, I'm, a, I'm a doctor, and I work in a hospital, and I work in a clinic. Wait, you're a doctor? I am a doctor. Have uh, I? Where have I heard? Oh, man. I feel like I knew that, but I don't know. I just guess it's not something that's really said often around here. Anyway, go a, on. It's a common prefix on my name. Uh, and it's been pretty crazy in hospitals, and I, and I think it's crazy here not as crazy here as it is in many as many big cities around the country and i've been following closely with my friends who are around the country in new york in new york city or in los angeles uh doing residencies there and you know there's a lot of just general general quiet panic amongst healthcare providers uh and it's not even like a panic that you can feel because we all are just so used to doing our jobs we see patients we don't really think twice about it but now there's just this quiet idea that like, oh, when when are we going to get hit? When's it coming? When are we going to see the patients? You know, and, and luckily here in Iowa, I feel like we haven't gotten slammed with people just yet. But there's just this quiet dread as far as what we're doing and, and if we're doing it correctly and if we can have everybody have the proper precautions for everything. And it's been very much something that we felt here in Iowa. And uh I can only imagine what it's like in New York City, honestly. Like, I, I just feel, I feel for my friends out there who are t- treating patients and who are super scared. I mean, I've heard about, about a lot of just COVID patients going uh, down in a heap and it's terrifying. And I think people should just do, listen to people, listen to resource places. You know, if you listen to doctors, listen to people who are specialized in infectious disease, listen to people who know what they're talking about and only listen to those people. Like you don't need to be listening to somebody who has no idea what they're talking about and are getting secondhand sources. Uh, Listen to doctors, listen to virologists, listen to people who research and just stay safe and, yeah, like I mentioned, Lucas, like flying the curve is a common phrase. It's been used a lot, but we're going to be doing, we're going to need to do this for a long time, for months. And, and it sounds like Corona is going to be a seasonal thing now. So it's not going to go away even after this year, it's not going to go away. We're just, need to, we just need to find out with ways to, to fight it with a vaccine, um, which hopefully within a year's time or so will be developed because we're going to need it. This isn't quite going away. And you know, there are a lot of sports people talking about this who aren't doctors, but I am a doctor. Like, you stay home, stay clean, wash your hands, take all the precautions. Don't go in large places, 10 plus people, even even be around people you know, be around people you've been around, uh, and stay safe. It's really all I can think about. I've just been researching a lot about COVID last couple of days. I've had a couple of days off finally after working, you know, like 12 days straight, and I've had a couple of days. So all I can think about is this stupid thing that – I can't, I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about what we're going to do next and uh, how we're going to beat it and like how we're going to slow it down. I can't stop thinking about it. So I just hope everybody, I think everyone's taking it seriously by now. I hope, you know, um, and uh, you need to, you need to be safe. Cause even if you don't get sick, like Lucas mentioned a thing about people in schools, you know, a lot of young people might not get crazy symptoms, but they will be carriers and, and they'll meet somebody who will get really sick or they could get really sick. This isn't just a disease of elderly and immunocompromised. It, it absolutely is to an extent when they're the most in threat of being very severely hurt, but kids are getting hurt too. Like, you know, there was an infant death. I think I read about not that uh, recently in the country and, and, uh, people in their teens, people in their twenties or thirties, like people are getting sick. So 
all I can think about is COVID, honestly. I, I love the Clippers. You know, it's hard to define me by much else aside from being a doctor, music, and basketball. Those are like my three things. And one has greatly come above the other two recently, and I can't stop thinking about COVID. So I just want everybody to be safe. Uh, I really want us all to get through so we can watch the Clippers win a championship. Like, I, I really want that to happen. I want a parade, you know. I, I, I would love a parade. And gosh, I haven't even thought about it. If the Clippers do somehow win a title, there's not going to be a parade. Like, it's just going to be – ah. <laughs> there's so much to think about. There's, that's right. It's going to be a new normal when this is all done. And um, it's unlike anything I think this country has seen for a very, very long time. And it was coming is the worst part of all of it. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I have to say about that. Anyways, uh. <laughs> well, no, I mean, yeah, but, but I think that's, I mean, thank you for that chat, because I think, like you said, you know, it's hard for anyone to talk about anything but this right now. But um, I know if it was just Rob and I doing this podcast, um, we would not be able to offer the same kind of kind of insight or credibility that you have because of your training and your work. So actually, you know, having a doctor here, I think it is important for people to be able to, um, to hear what you have to say. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's just, um, you know, it's scary times, but it's, we can't let that mean that we aren't going to, um, or that, that we're just going to kind of not address the situation. We need to be very proactive in addressing the situation, which in this case, maybe counterintuitively means staying home. Right. But, um, it is really, really important for folks to stay home. I've definitely been seeing pictures on social media of folks in LA still, out at beaches, on hiking trails, at farmers markets, um, and it is really, real. I mean, I don't live in LA anymore, but you know, I have uh, two parents who do, and I, it's really, really important for folks to be staying home during this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I might do some shout-outs. Not to change the mood really quick, <laughs> but I do want to. I do want to give shout-outs to all of our all of our Clipper fans that are supporting not just, you know, this podcast, but our new website, which is, you know, it's harder to even think about that right now, but we still appreciate everybody out there who's been, who's been helping us out. Um, I do want to shout out everybody. It's been, we didn't really done a pod since, uh, at least the love the gem, the podcast hasn't since the end of last month. Um, so I do want to shout out everybody really quick. Thank you for supporting us. Chester Nig, Anthony Garcia, Garrett Leonard, Jesse Bia, Rob Diaz, Johnny Walker, uh, Andrew Opalus, uh, Twisted Rister, Tyler Kenny, Travis Higgins, Richard Moon, Dred Brenner, Vincent uh, Yanagita, Carlos Machado, Chris Escara, da- Daniel Schwarzfeger, Charlie Fu, uh, Yagnesh Bangama, J- James McIntosh, Niran uh, Samasindaram, uh, Meg Smith, June Park, Johnson, Joey Smokey Barbecue, David Hong, Ronald Pang. Just want to give a shout out to everybody. Sorry, it's like, you know, it sounds kind of buzzkilly now. Uh, and one time shout out to Chris Daly, Ryan, and Aditya, uh, who also is a, is a one time shout out. Aditya, who used to be on the podcast, hopefully, is listening after getting through all this serious talk. Um, thanks to everybody for supporting us. Um, yeah. Yeah. And can, can I say, I know that it's, it's low, you know, it's low priority. A sports blog is low priority right now. Um, you know, frankly for us, as we were dealing with all this in our own lives, and I'm sure for you guys who are listening at home, but it has, you know, it means a lot to us to have support from our subscribers. It has, since we 
announced we were going to be doing this thing in December and it's, it's been really humbling and validating and supporting from all of you guys to have that support since then. And for the folks who have continued their subscription, which rank is, is almost everyone has continued their subscription, even as the podcast and the site have had less content in the last few weeks because of um, the virus you know, it's really, that's also still really appreciated to us because we have a lot of fixed monthly costs that don't go away just because the Clippers have stopped playing games. And so continuing to have that subscriber support in these early months is going to help make it possible for 213 Hoops to persist and survive and still be around when basketball does come back. And so we totally understand that this is a tricky economic time for a lot of people and if you have to cancel your subscription you got to cancel your subscription and we you know we we understand that people are in difficult situations and it's not necessarily a personal thing but for those of you who are able to keep subscribing and have continued subscribing it is really appreciated and it will make it possible for this to still exist when basketball comes back um and robert and i aren't just uh taking the money and running with it all of it is going towards things to keep the business up and to pay our contributors. So Robert and I have not taken a dollar from it yet. And we're not planning on taking a dollar from it um, for the near future. So, you know, it is really, really, really appreciated um, from the folks that are still able to keep supporting 213 Hoops um, that you are doing that because that's helping us kind of stay afloat during these times. Yeah, for sure. I love this community. And I still, I still love this community. And even through times like these, you know, it's still great that we have, you know, just even just a forum for Clipper fans to talk about, not just about basketball, but about everything. Cause this has been heavy in Los Angeles. It's been heavy and uh, it sucks. That's something that we all love. Yo, Rob. Yes. Okay. How are you doing? I just uh, I just asked if we had Twitter questions so we can edit it. You can yeah, go to it whenever. Yep. Yeah. Right, sounds good. I'll, I'll be able to edit that. Yes, we we do have Twitter questions. Let me scroll down here. Lots is going on on my Twitter timeline. Um, so first of all, from uh, Whammy Giveaway, if the season is resumed, could there be a possibility of a second trade deadline? If I recall, MLB had something like this. Would you want Clippers to make one more trade? And if yes, who would you go after? Assume Morris, Jackson, and Noah are ineligible for retrade. Uh, I don't think so. The MLB does have a weird second trade deadline. It has something to do with waivers, I believe. Um, but I don't think the NBA would have that. It would just make things really, really much more complicated. Um, and teams who'd made moves at the previous deadline without thinking there would be another one would probably have some beef. Um, I don't think there would be one. I, I can't possibly see that happening. And even if there was, I don't think the Clippers should or would make another move. Yeah, me neither. I don't know how the MLB works, but this trade deadline was done with the assumption that this was the only trade deadline. So I don't think that there would be a second one. Yeah, I mean, I, so I don't, I don't think that there would be a second trade deadline. So, like, I think there's a 
0% chance of that. I do think it could be a fun question in this time of no basketball, no nothing, right, to consider, like, well, if the NBA said – we're, we're going to have, you know, one more day of trades and then we're going to start the season again. That could be a fun hypothetical to play into. I actually think the Clippers, though, are a team that aren't really in a position to do much there just because their chips that they had were that Harkless and that 2020 first-round pick, and they, boom, threw those together, used them to go get Marcus Morris. So, you know, unless they were going to – do something involving Lou and or Trez, um, which I don't think that they're going to do because that didn't really seem to be on the table for them at the actual NBA trade deadline. I, I don't, I think if they're, they were to reopen it, the Clippers would probably stand pat, especially because they, they actually kind of answered that backup point guard question, which was maybe one of the few still like, eh, we don't know how, how great we feel about that because Reggie Jackson has played so well. Um, and I don't think they're going to trade Trez for a different backup center. So I think the Clippers would stand pat. I guess if they were going to make a hypothetical second trade deadline move, it that center hole, Noah probably isn't a great answer to addressing that. So maybe they look around like Zubats and Trez and what they can do there. But at the end of the day, um, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's a definitely a creative. Yeah. Rob. <laughs> yeah. Um, next question is from good friend, uh, fellow podcaster on the program, Mike Jaglin. Uh, if the NBA does cluster the teams in two cities for the playoffs, per what Wintour said, what cities make sense? I have to think places with strong college arenas close to North Carolina, Phoenix. Um, honestly, I haven't really thought about that. I know there's been some rumors about like the islands, like Jamaica, maybe. I thought I read that somewhere. Um, I honestly have no idea. It would probably have to be a city that has not been hit hard. Obviously, it would not be New York. Would not be Los Angeles or Illinois or uh, Chicago. Um, Phoenix is a possibility. I don't think it's too bad there. They do have a lot of um, other arenas there, um, but I'm not sure about the infrastructure in Phoenix. I really have no idea. I don't necessarily know enough about what would what cities would have enough maybe other cities that could hold like that have hosted the Olympics and kind of still have some of that like Atlanta, maybe I, I really, I don't know. Um, it would be pretty cool if they did it in like Seattle. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really don't I mean, know. I don't think Washington is in great shape no, either. Washington's no, I, I, I can't, I can't imagine any heavily populated city is yeah. uh, going to be feasible. Right, but point. I don't know yeah. what other city would have the infrastructure. To yeah, hold it's it, tough. Is it's the tough. question? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think the obvious, or like, I don't, I don't want to say obvious answer, but I think the 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 place that jumps to mind first is Las Vegas because the NBA has an established relationship with UNLV using those gyms. They, Las Vegas, as long as social distancing is in effect, is going to kind of remain shut down as a city in terms of tourism's not really happening. So it could potentially be, you know, the NBA could be in a situation where they like go lease one of these hotels for a month, put a team on every floor, bus them back and forth, have the two arenas where they can like, you know, hold games in the big arena and hold practices in the small arena, something like that. But I don't know that that's maybe the most sense. And then you think about if they go or to go to like, 
a Midwest college campus, like you go to, I don't know, the University of Kansas, and you play the, you play and televise the games in the arena there, which is, you know, a big major college basketball arena that makes sense. And then you have a lot, I'm assuming a lot, the practice load that you'd need maybe even better than you could in Las Vegas. So that, I mean, I know that's something that Windhorse said about like, you know, potentially a Midwestern college campus. And I would assume you'd want to go to like one of those blue blood college programs where the setup is already in place for like high definition television broadcasting. And then from there you want to make sure that it's just somewhere that's not too densely populated. Like you guys were saying somewhere that, um, has the auxiliary facilities in terms of like just, you know, student gyms and things like that to uh, sustain the amount of practices that you would want to hold without having to like find local high schools to ha have practices at and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, Kansas, University of Kansas is just an example, but I think it could be Las Vegas just because the relationships are there, but it might make the most sense for the NBA to just take over a Midwest college campus for six weeks or something, especially, but then you, you start asking yourself, like the question I was asking earlier, are colleges going to open in, in August for the fall semester? And if they do, that's going to really change what the NBA, where the NBA is available to use as potential sites. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. I'm not completely certain how this is going to be rectified. We'll see. I think I think we still need time to see where this trends, and then maybe we'll have an idea in in a couple months, probably. Yeah. Um, next question from Aussie Clip Fan: How likely is it that they resume the season? I can't imagine anyone wanting the season to go to waste, even if it means having a short season next season. Thoughts. Um, depends on what you mean by resume the season. I think regular season is is just not happening. Um, if it means the playoffs, uh, I assume – I'd say it's more likely than not, like over 50% that the playoffs will happen. Um, even if it does mean having a reduced season next season, I'd say it's 70% likely at this chance that they do have a playoffs. It might even be higher than that. Um, but I, I think it is likely that they do have a postseason, even if I think it's a bad idea. Yeah, seems like it. I haven't really thought about it until you guys were talking about it earlier, but – I'd imagine they might do that. It's going to be uh, interesting, the thought process and the backlash from it. And it's going to be very intriguing when that eventually can be feasible. Yeah, I think, I think that um, they, there will be a playoffs. Kind of, you know, we, we talked about this earlier. I think they will have to make some adjustments. Like Robert said, I think the last, you know, 14 games of the regular season or 18 games or whatever it was are just a wash. Those aren't going to happen anymore. And, but they will need to do some, something to get teams back in rhythm because players aren't even allowed to work out at team facilities right now because of concern about infection. So unless team, unless players literally have a, workout facility at home which i know a lot of them do but not all of them do they can't work there and they're banned from using any public gyms either so like the nba has banned nba players from going to like local high school gyms or la fitnesses or anything like that to work out so literally unless you have a gym in your home you're not lifting weights right now you're not getting shots up right now you're not uh, i mean i probably most of them have treadmills or are like going to get a treadmill in this situation, but you know, the, the level they're going to need 
a training camp to get back up to speed, which is why I kind of talk about this need. If they pick a site to resume the season, a place that can manage the need that they'll have for multiple facilities from multiple teams to be practicing. I wouldn't be surprised if they do some kind of mitigation stuff. Like they might say, okay, for the 14 lottery teams, the season's over. We're only going to bring back the 16 playoff teams and then maybe have teams play, you know, a couple of exhibition games against teams from the other conference. And like the two, one, you know, maybe like the one and two seeds wouldn't play each other. Like you'd be playing the, you know, six and seven and eight seeds from the other conference. Cause that's, those are the teams you're least likely to ever see in a playoff series. And then I also wouldn't be surprised maybe if they, if they take the step and shorten the first round to like a best three of five instead of a best four of seven, just because they're managing timelines. But I don't think they would get rid of the first round. I don't think they would shorten the second round, but yeah, I could see them doing something like that where maybe they say, okay, everyone's going to come to Kansas if that's the place and we'll do a week of training camp with a couple exhibition games. And then the first round is going to be three out of five. And then the second round conference finals and finals will play like normal. Um, that could be an answer. Yeah. Is that, is that the last question, Rob? No, there is one more um, from Jonathan Evans. How do you think the possibility of a lost season affects the likelihood Kawhi and PG resign? Um, we can't know. Nobody outside of Kawhi and Paul George and maybe their very inner circle can know. I don't think it helps. I don't know if it hurts. I mean, I think all the indications are that both of them have really enjoyed playing on this team back in Los Angeles. Um, I'd still think the odds of both of them resigning are probably over 50%. Um, so I don't know. I, again, I don't think there's any way where it increases the likelihood. Um, but I don't know how much it would hurt either because it's completely outside of their control and it's not like anybody else beat them or won over them. So I don't think it probably affects it too much one way or the other. Maybe like a slight negative is what I'd, I'd hazard a guess at. Yeah, I kind of think it doesn't help more than doesn't hurt or like is net neutral, mostly because, you know, even if the Clippers could have made the finals – it would have probably been a positive thing for the team and for maybe Kawhi and Paul George. Granted, Kawhi is all about winning the championship, and of course so is Paul, I'm sure. But it would have been kind of a positive step forward for them and the franchise. You know, losing to the Lakers in the West Conference Finals probably would have been a little bit demoralizing to an extent. Um, but it would have been – it would be nice if the season was canceled. It would be nice just to see if the team could get out there and get some – get some playoff uh, postseason success um, would have been nice to make it to the finals um, especially. So I think maybe it would hurt a little bit at the, at the least um, just not seeing a finished product and having to wait another full year to see something. Cause it could be catastrophic if they lost early somehow next season without having any sort of, you know, definitive idea that they could go deep with this team. It could be, it could be tough. So it would be nice to have a, a deep run, even if it didn't ultimately culminate in a championship, you know, it would be nice just to have that in their back pocket probably. So that, that chance or that, you know, chance of happening if the season was canceled, I think would hurt probably more than the idea that maybe the team could somehow fizzle quickly and maybe not having that would be, uh, a positive thing, but I think more likely, you know, the Clippers could have a deep run. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting because if the Clippers like lost in the second round this year and then lost in the Western Conference Finals to the Lakers next year, Kawhi might be gone. But now, if there's a canceled season and then the Clippers lose in the Conference Finals next year, maybe he stays. Right. On the other hand, if they lose in the second round next year and this is a canceled season, maybe he goes. Whereas if they win the championship this year and then lose in the second round, maybe he still stays because they won a championship and it was a fluke second round loss. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things you can play out. I think at the end of the day, what Robert said hits home the truest for me, which is that I think Paul George will, will resign with the Clippers. Um, I'm, I'm not super worried about Kawhi staying and Paul George leaving. I, the concern would be greater if Kawhi leaves, do you give a Paul George a five-year contract on the wrong side of 30 on a team that won't have a lot of flexibility to add another star and maybe he's not going to be the best player on a championship team, right? But I don't think Paul is going to choose to leave and leave Kawhi high and dry. The question is more Kawhi. And as we just saw, Kawhi just left the championship Toronto Raptors after winning finals MVP in a championship with them. And so maybe, you know, if we think about his decision-making in terms of coming to the Clippers, it seems like he really wanted to be in LA and he didn't want to play for the Lakers. And so if those are the main reasons that drove him to the Clippers, then it's possible that as long as the organization is in good shape, right? They don't totally crumble, but as long as they're in contending shape, that those things will still be true two years from now. And so maybe how far the Clippers go in these couple of years matters less than we thought all along. It just matters that they're competitive. The potential is there to win championships and that they're in LA, which is where Kawhi wants to be. Yeah. Sounds good. Rob, that was the last question. Yeah, that was. And I agree with Lucas hundred percent. I mean, I think Paul George seems to be really loving it here. Um, I think he probably wants to stay here the rest of his career. Um, and yeah, I mean, we could discuss another time um, how the Clippers might handle Kawhi leaving and Paul George staying. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't think we can really answer too much one way or another how much losing this season would affect it. But yeah, that's the last, that's the last question. All right, guys. Lucas, do you have anything left to say? Um, are we going to do the bonus pod? Do we want to yeah. plug that? Yeah, yeah. so – so we'll be oh well, I wasn't sure. Um so we'll be moving on now. Um we've, we've put a little over an hour of content into this podcast. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We are going to keep talking, but we're gonna talk now on our Patreon subscriber pod after this point. So what we'll go over is a little bit more just bantering about whatever we feel like bantering about. But the main thing that we want to talk about is if this season is over what does it mean that we're now in off season mode for the Clippers? So what are the implications of this season ending right now for the Clippers upcoming free agents and the flexibility that they'll have this summer? Um, Probably won't get too much into, you know, cap detailed stuff, but more like roster building, big picture, who stays, who goes, how does this thing look going forward for the team? So if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can find the, next part of this pod on our Patreon page. If you are not, you can access it for as little as $1. Um, so go to patreon.com slash two and three hoops and check it out. Yeah, everyone. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You know, as always leave us a nice rating or review on uh, whatever you listen to and stay safe, uh, social distance for months.
And as always, go Clippers!